Welcome to the Finding Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Liz McComish. Just like a seed holds all the knowledge it needs to grow into the plant it was destined to be, I believe you hold all the wisdom within you to create the most amazing life. Join me and my special guests as we explore the path back into your innate wisdom and teach you how to harness it. This is your life to live your way. Welcome to the Finding Freedom podcast for today. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about emotions because I really do believe that so much of our unhappiness and disconnection from our authentic self and thus disconnection from our inner freedom comes from our or a dysfunctional relationship with our emotions because our emotions are literally just part of us, right? They're part of the human condition. And I think every time culturally we have learned that certain emotions are okay and certain emotions need to be pushed aside, we certainly went through um, a period of time where so-called positive emotions were deemed as the ones to chase and we're meant to think positively and try and move past negative, so-called negative emotions. And I just, I just really refute that there's such a thing as positive and negative emotions. And I think that even that delineation of emotions like leads us into so much unhappiness because emotions, if you, you know, think about them as purely energy and a way that our being expresses how we are feeling in relation to the world, and not only that, but they also inform us about what is going on in our environment, in our relational field for us, and perhaps whether we should move away from a situation or towards a situation then, you know, they are really important components of our welfare. So to sort of put them into different categories of negative or positive or try and push them away, suppress them or chase certain ones and push others away, I really, um, it doesn't even make sense, right? So I feel like, you know, there's been a whole narrative created around emotions that we really need to dismantle and, in fact, just chuck it in the bin entirely if we want to find our authenticity and we want to find the freedom to be ourselves in the world because what else is freedom really when we can really deeply authentically be ourselves in the world we get to live the unique life that we came here to live you have one shot at being you so let's dive into what emotions are all about and there are so many um different uh you know templates for what people class as emotions so if you google you know the core emotions you'll find a lot of different um uh you know definitions for what the core emotions are i don't think there's one complete definition i would encourage you to go and find for yourself what resonates with you the most, what feels right for you. I'm going to go with the five core emotions being joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. And one of the reasons that I really like those five core emotions is that 
um, they relate very well to our nervous system responses in the world and how we can become really dysregulated with our nervous system, but also how they can help us to help to inform those those emotions help to inform us as to whether we're safe in the world or whether we need to actually move towards safety, which is what our nervous system is primarily about. And when we um, you know, have nervous system dysregulation that leads to so much unhappiness in the world. And when I'm working with people either one-on-one or in group sessions or um, through courses, one of the most important parts of learning how to regulate your nervous system is to reconnect into how your emotions feel in your body and the importance of emotions and to recall times where certain emotions were stimulated in you so you can get how important emotions actually are. So let's begin. Okay, joy. We all know joy. Everyone chases joy, right? I don't know anyone who has said, I never, ever want to feel joy. If joy comes up, I'm going to express it. I'm going to push it away. I don't want anything to do with joy, right? Joy, it's like when you're a kid and you get a beautiful Christmas present, you know, it's joyful to get a Christmas present. We feel joy as kids when we're catching up with our with our best friend. Uh, you might feel joy when you're exercising or joy when you you know, your phone rings and you see one of your favourite people calling you. Um, you might experience um, joy when you when you go out with friends, when you're with your children or when you're with your pets or, you know, there's so many different ways in which we experience joy. And joy is definitely something that our society accepts wholeheartedly. And not only that, but it will really push us in the direction of trying to chase joy and whatever that might, you know, however you might experience that. And in that way, you know, even joy has become kind of like really totally disfigured in a way or dysfunctional is probably the better word for that, in that when we are encouraged to continuously chase joy, which is not it's not sustainable. We don't always just feel joy. It doesn't, life does not work in that way. So when we are encouraged by, you know, society, maybe the marketing people, the advertisers to continuously chase joy, then we can be influenced as to what joy actually means and how we get joy. That we can, that we can replace other feelings in our lives or other emotions in our lives with joy which is not the case. We just can't do that. But we are taught by the world that if we are feeling down, we can go and buy something. If we're feeling not good about ourselves, we can potentially go get this outfit or that car or, um, you know, that particular coffee machine or go to this restaurant or go on this holiday. And that these are all ways that we can buy joy and bring it into our lives. And that's not real joy right? That's a, that's a dopamine hit, which, you know, sometimes, hey, I've got no problem with that. Like I love as much as anyone else buying a new pair of shoes when I can. I go, wow, look at these shoes. They're cool. Like they're usually pink, whether they're high heels or sneakers or sandals or whatever they might be. Like I get the same hit as everyone else. Like when I buy something that I love, but it's not sustainable. 
it's not an inner joy that is sustainable. It doesn't come from within my very being in that way. It's from purchasing something that I then take into my life because I have a particular story about that thing that I'm purchasing. So be very careful of the way that our society really like pushes us to bring joy into our lives and to think positively and act in a way that we consistently bring that into our lives because it doesn't, it's not healthy, right? It leads us into a place of lack. And then it can also lead us into a place of trying so hard to chase these good feelings that we end up using, potentially using substances and other things we can get addicted to, to try and get that dopamine hit and we're pushing aside um, so we can suppress other feelings that come up. But remember, feelings are all fluid. We are meant to feel. It's part of being a human being. So um, sadness, okay, because sadness is often an emotion that we do push down, that people will really suppress. Sadness is really important. Like if someone in my life dies that I love, I'm going to feel really sad. And in part of me processing the loss, my sadness is profound and deeply important. My sadness encourages me to withdraw from my normal life and to be in a space to process whatever has gone on for me. That space of sadness when there has been loss is so powerful. And anyone who's listening to this who's experienced loss understands that on a really deep level. Our sadness is, in a way, it's respect for the person that we have lost or the animal that we have lost or whatever we've lost. It's also respect for the connection we had to them and respect for us and what we had with whatever it is that we have lost or whoever it is that we have lost. Sadness also helps us to process all the feelings around that loss. So in that withdrawal state, I'm not talking about completely isolating ourselves from people because we need people to support us when we're in that space. That's what deep connection is actually about. But what I mean is withdrawing from our, you know, the fullness of our life for a while to allow ourselves to be in this space of sadness. And in that space, we can find new meaning in life when we're doing the processing of that sadness. So especially when it's grief around a particular person who is very close to us, it's not like we withdraw and kind of come into our own world for a while and then we process it and then it's over and done with. Like the way that we work with sadness is sadness might be intense for a certain period of time and then it shifts a bit and then we might find that it comes up at varied times and catches us kind of unaware. That's the process of sadness and it's super important that when it does creep up on you that you go oh there's that that sadness wanting me to connect into it again what do I need for myself right now so that I can connect with this sadness and process this sadness when we suppress sadness when we keep pushing it away it doesn't go away 
it stays within us and our bodies start to react in a way. They, they brace in a way, a particular postural pattern to hold the sadness down within us. And unfortunately, when we do suppress sadness and we hold it within us, it's always sitting there waiting to be expressed. So then we can never really feel joy in its fullest because emotions are all fluid, right? They all move through us in this really beautiful and natural energetic way. So if we start suppressing particular emotions, then the other emotions can't move fluidly either. It starts to become this quite disrupted flow of things in our lives. So when we do suppress deep sadness, then we're more likely to end up chasing joy um, from external sources. So whether it be... um, addictive things. I mean, even even lots of shopping is is an addiction, but we start to try and find joy outside ourselves because that sadness keeps pushing up. So we keep chasing the hits from external things to try and give us that feeling of joy again and to help to push that sadness down. Fear, right? Fear is such an amazing emotion it's it really is an amazing emotion because it is a very protective emotion so when we experience fear around something our nervous system knows to try and move away from it so say for example if you are out going for a walk and you see a snake. Now, you might not be scared of snakes, but most people I know would have a fear response if they saw a snake. So fear is like, you know, and and really ask your body to move away from that which has triggered the fear inside you. So think about what an incredible emotion fear is, that it helps us to move away from that which our system sees as dangerous or interprets as as dangerous and you know the fear response comes up more quickly than you can make meaning you know I um, was going for a walk a while ago and I ran into a snake and in my meaning in the meaning making part of my brain you know that I'm talking to you with right now I I don't really have a fear of snakes like I didn't think I had a fear of snakes But I was walking along and then suddenly I was almost on top of a snake and fear coursed through my body and my whole body catapulted backwards and I kind of like bolted backwards and it was, yeah, it was amazing how quickly it happened before my, this meaning part of my brain came on board and went, that was a snake right there. So you see how important that emotion of fear is that it's actually trying to move me towards safety. It can get really shut down um, in a social way because, you know, especially as a child, you know, there might be someone around in um, the family circle or in um, whatever, whatever environments you're moving in, right, whatever systems. We have lots of systems that we move in. We've got our family system. We've got our um, social system, our community system, our school system, our health system, and so on. There's a lot of different systems that we move within. But let's say within one of your systems there's, someone that you feel fear around and often we are taught to override that emotion to be socially acceptable so an example of that might be that 
let's say um, there's a family function and there's someone in that that who comes to whatever that function is. So let's say let's say it's a broader broader function, like a um, a social function, right? And you're a child, and there's a person there who wants to interact with you, but you're scared of them. And as a child, you might be scared of them because they look weird. You might be scared of them because, um, and I'm not saying they are, they do actually look weird, but as a child, children see things through a different lens to an adult. So let's say you, that child, um, you're a child and you, that person looks weird to you, so you feel scared of them, or they smell strange, so you feel scared of them, or there's just something about them that makes you feel fear. That is like a totally valid response, and I don't think children should ever be forced to actually override their fear and to connect with that person that they are scared of because fear is one of those primary emotions that in their body is telling them to move towards safety. Now, it might be that the reason a child is fearing the person in front of them is because they look like something or there's some sort of, there's some similarity between the way that they look and something that child has experienced. You know, like a, something in a, in, a, in a movie or in a book or an image they've seen and somehow that connection brings up fear inside this child. So the fear might be connected to something else, but it might not be. It might be that person's not actually safe to be around. So it's really important that children are allowed to experience their fear and we can say to them as adults, we can teach them, we can say, I want you to feel your fear, like understand your fear and you can reach out to me for safety and then you can work with that child to help them because it might be that then later on they communicate with the adult the caring adult that actually that fear was connected to something else or you might work that out as an adult but the point is that fear is super super important and that we will feel fear beyond our like faster than our thinking mind can create fear we don't create it we feel it first. And as we, you know, as we age as well, our fear can be incredibly important to us. So you're, if, if you have a fear hit that comes up when you're around someone, I want you to listen to that. You don't have to act on it necessarily. Like you can look around and go, well, I'm safe in the space that I'm in. So that person can't actually, you know, do anything to hurt me. But Let's say you're walking down the street and there's someone on that's the street on the same footpath and you instantly get a, a hit of fear. Would you override that and go, oh, you know, that's a bit mean of me. Maybe I'm being prejudiced or something against this person. Or would you listen to yourself respectfully and go, okay, for some reason I feel fear of, of that person. I'm going to take myself to safety and just walk to the other side of the road and keep walking down that road. Because it's a really, like fear is such an important emotion to really start to listen to. And afterwards, you might notice that the fear might come from, um, you might have like some sort of like cultural indoctrination that's happened to you where you have fear over the way a particular person looks. But 
at first, when you're first reconnecting into your feelings, I really want you to go with exactly what your body is communicating with you and keep comforting yourself. And over time, you can kind of tease out like whether you've been indoctrinated in a particular way to fear certain people or, or not, or whether actually intuitively you need to move away from that particular person around whom you feel fearful. So anger. Anger is one of my favorite emotions. <laughs> That's a bit psycho. No, anger is so amazing. When we feel pure anger, we know someone has stepped over our boundaries. Anger is the most misunderstood emotion. It is just dissed and shamed and criticized and suppressed and pushed aside the whole works. You, you know, you think about the way that we use it in our language, like, oh, he's so angry or she's so angry, like it's a criticism. Well, I can tell you that anger is an emotion that helps you to set boundaries in your life. Anger, when it has been really suppressed, can become overwhelming kind of rage that comes out. So we need to be careful of that because Anger is such a powerful emotion that it, that it can, when it's um, when it's been suppressed for a long time and then starts flying out, and it can fly out when we get triggered. When it flies out, it can create actually a lot of damage in our relationships. So we don't want to do it to that degree. So you want to be, you want to have respect for anger because it's such a big emotion. Okay, so let me go a little bit deeper into anger here. A few years ago, someone tried to break into my house and I've got young children and I always thought that if someone had tried to break into my house, because it was was a fear of mine, that if someone tried to break into my house that I would go into panic and shut down and just completely freak out. What actually happened for me is that I woke up and heard someone trying to get into my house And I went into a massive anger response. Like I was really blown away by my reaction to the stimulus of someone trying to break into my house. And I yelled and told them to like, fuck off, like get away, blah, blah, blah. And they did and they took off. And afterwards I remember thinking to myself, wow, like I was really angry. Like my anger was the first thing that came up and I was completely blown away by it. We have anger in in other situations where it's actually really protective. Someone, when we feel anger, someone or something, there's some way that our boundaries are being stepped on or stepped over and it's time for you to to really pay attention to it. When you feel angry, it's not about necessarily about throwing anger on a particular person. So Say in the instance of what I was just talking about, how that person tried to break into my house and I yelled and swore at them. So obviously in a social situation, that's it's just not acceptable. You know, you just we, we create a lot of problems for ourselves if we just like express emotions with no sense of um, kind of control around them or boundaries around our own emotions. So what we want to do with things like anger and with any of our emotions actually is to connect in with them in a way that we start to form a relationship with them. 
So if you've spent years suppressing emotions, which most of us have been taught to do, um, then initially it can be really like confronting or scary or weird or um, new or you might even feel fearful about connecting in with your emotions. But the more that you connect in with your emotions, the more you're able to feel them before they build up to a massive explosion kind of space. So when anger is able to express itself in a really healthy way and you have a really good relationship with anger, you can feel anger start to rise in you so that the, the emotion will come up. But before it kind of blurts out of your mouth, the meaning-making part of your brain will come on board and you'll be able to recognize it for what it is. So say, for example, you're in a social situation and anger starts to rise in you because someone has said something that's actually really passive-aggressive towards you. You can feel the anger rise. And when, okay, so in, so in the way that I'm talking about it right now, when you really have a great connection to your emotions, you'll be able to go, ah, that that guy just really, or that person just really, really stepped over my boundaries in, and that's not okay. Have you ever been in a situation where you've realized after the fact that someone has done that? Like you've been, um, you've been at some sort of a function, and later on, like a few hours later, you might wake up at nighttime and start to ruminate over something someone had said to you and wish that you'd said something in the moment to them that you'd reset your boundary with them in the moment and then you have all these like you think of all these masterful things that you you know you could have said (laughs) but it's after the fact (laughs) well that happens when we're a bit disconnected from our emotions in the moment when we're connected to our emotions and we feel that anger rise then we're able to Work, we're able to make a decision about what we're going to do in that moment. So it might be that you do say to that person, hey, that that really felt not cool to me and um, I don't, don't like what you just said to me. Or it might be that you actually move yourself away from that person. You just make a decision that you don't want to talk to that person anymore because they're quite passive aggressive and they're really like stepping over your boundaries. And so you literally just, you feel the anger, then you go, "Mm, I'm not enjoying this. And then you excuse yourself and go to the bathroom or um, go and get some food or just find someone else to talk to. So see how important our emotions are. So so in that particular situation, if there was a lot of suppressed anger and you weren't in connection with your anger, you didn't have that beautiful relationship with your anger and you didn't see your anger as, oh, it's actually telling me something, then you may have ruminated about it even for days afterwards. But instead, when you have that beautiful relationship with anger, you can then make decisions around your anger when your anger comes up. And the final one that I want to talk about is disgust. Disgust is another really protective emotion. So have you ever, um, you know, in your life ever had a particular food that you ate and you got really sick from? I know I have. Mine was um, pine nuts. And so I was really sick, actually. I was vomiting for a couple of days. So now whenever I smell, see, experience pine nuts in any way, I feel disgust. I'm like, ugh, like I feel disgust. Can you see how protective that is? If we smell, think about like a foul smell, you know, like 
if you if you smell off food and it smells foul, like if you've ever um, cracked an egg and that egg is actually off, like it stinks when it starts to cook. It is the most rank smell. And that disgust that we feel protects us because we're not going to eat it, are we? So it's super, super protective, right? There are other ways in which disgust acts. Okay, so we might be around particular people and we feel disgust around them. Another protective mechanism, I want you to start to listen to it. Emotions are protective. We can also feel you know, but this is this is sort of much more complex and a part of a therapeutic pathway. We can feel a lot of deep disgust when we've had, um, you know, abuse in our lives and as we're starting to work through that and heal that, then we can experience a lot of disgust at things that happened. And once again, that disgust is like, it's like us working on, like healing us and releasing that from our system because whatever was forced upon us was not good for our body it wasn't healthy for us it was off it was rank it was disgusting it was foul and so we experience that disgust as part of that so the thing is with so many emotions is that you do when we are able to be in connection with them in a really healthy way, they all flow through us with lots of beauty. So we might feel within one day joy and then we feel, um, you know, in the morning, let's say, if I go for a walk along the, the beach with my dog and it's a beautiful day and I just feel joy, like, oh, I feel connected, I feel joy. And then maybe I will... Um, come home and um, let's say a dog has done a poo on my driveway and I step in it, it's like I will feel full disgust in my body. It will be disgusting. And then I might feel anger that someone didn't pick up their dog poo, right? And then I might um, walk inside my house and I might get a message saying that um, someone I know um, is very, very unwell. And then I might experience a whole lot of, of sadness around that and I'll feel into that sadness. And then I might have an issue go on like let's say, for example, um, I'm in a rental and I get a message from um, the real estate agent saying that the landlord is not going to extend my lease so I need to find a new place to live and that could bring up a whole lot of fear inside me. The other thing about emotions is they can really um, enable us to act in ways to continue our survival or to evolve. So let's come back to that um, to that example of, you know, if I got that, uh, if I was losing my um, tenancy and I needed to find another one, so I had all this fear inside me. Well, if I enable that fear to move through me, it's going to release certain hormones in my body that can help me to move and act in a way to take myself to safety. So in other words, in that scenario would be to try and find a new tenancy, to have the energy and the drive to find a new tenancy. If I um, feel angry about something, my anger, as I discussed earlier, can help me to set new boundaries in my life. I might just go, whoa, like, you know, there might be a situation, say, for example, at work where I finally realise that I have all this suppressed anger because 
I'm not like being fulfilled at work and I'm actually being handed way more work than any human being is capable of. Yet because I work really quickly and I'm very dedicated, I'm doing this massive workload, yet getting paid for about two-thirds of the workload that I'm going through, that I'm getting done. So in that sense, my anger, not only does it tell me that my boundaries are being violated, but it can also help me, the energy of anger, because there's a lot of energy in anger, that energy can help me to go, right, what am I going to do about this? I'm going to utilise the hormones that are being released in my body. I'm going to utilise all this energy of anger to now move myself into where I want to go to. And that anger, that energy might actually help me to go and either like get curious about why I'm allowing myself to be in a situation where I'm not being respected, um, what that links with my past. I might go and get some therapy for it. Or I might just go, hell no, I'm out of here. I'm using this, this angry energy to help me to find a pathway into a new job and not by blazing my anger out everywhere, but by using the inner energy that it actually creates. So the same with sadness, like I spoke about before, sadness like really makes kind of draw in and become very reflective and really like profoundly release the connection that we had to whatever it was because that's evolving or whoever it was because it's then evolving into something else or, um, yeah, to a different kind of connection. All the sadness might even be lost in a way of, let's say, you lose your job, you know, you get made redundant. Grieve and grieve, you know, all that sadness can help us to let go. That's what letting go is. Letting go is not just going, oh, just lie on the couch and let go and pretend nothing happened. That's just depression. The grieving, all that sadness can help us to let go of what we had. And when we let go of what we had, we're then able to turn into a new direction and find something new to bring into our lives. Um, Yeah, and the fear, like I spoke about how protective fear is and, you know, the energy of fear, like I I told you when I um, ran into that snake and my whole system, the fear sent sent so much energy through my body that I moved before the meaning-making part of my brain even came on board. So every emotion is, is just incredible and every emotion has its place. So the way that we get really disconnected from our emotions are that when we're little, we may um, have sort of not been allowed to express our emotions and um, you know, I always say this because I, th- I feel like it's really important, a really important process in, um, oh, no, sorry, a really important factor in the, in the healing pathway and the process of healing is that we may have had well-intentioned caregivers around us. There have been so many different um, ways that we've been told to parent over the years and that's really for another podcast. If I start going into that, we'll be here for a very long time. But there, there's always like a lot of cultural, like, you know, cult, sorry, parenting can be or, or caregiving can be very culturally informed. And if you had caregivers who believed that you needed to have 
be able to disconnect from your emotions to be a socially acceptable person, then you were taught from a very, very early age to disconnect from your emotions. So, you know, if you were, um, if you hurt yourself and you were distracted and told to, oh, look at the, the bird in the sky or look at the butterfly or something like that, that's an immediate disconnection from the emotions that you were feeling when you hurt yourself. Bang, disconnected. There's um, a saying that it's, um, I can't remember, it's something like when you smile, the world smiles with you and when you're, when you cry, you're alone or something like that, which is really, it's actually awful. Like I, I just, bleh, yuck, right? Because, oh, so if I'm always smiling, then I'll be accepted. And if I'm ever sad, then I'm not going to be accepted. Like it's, it's actually like super brutal and also like kind of weird really when you really think about it. Um, so as a child, the thing is though that, our emotions can feel super overwhelming as a child. So any kind of mistreatment you've had or even feeling rejected by your friends, like the sadness around that or, um, you know, feeling feeling ang- angry and not being able to express your anger because maybe you're in a family that gets quite triggered by anger, all of this stuff as a child makes you suppress your emotions. And when you're a child, your emotions feel much, much bigger than when you're an adult. And, you know, because, like, life's wisdom takes you to a place where, let's say, for example, as a child in a peer group, if someone um, kind of rejects you, it could be the most horrendous thing that has ever happened to you. And then as an adult, you might be in a peer group and someone rejects you and you think to yourself, well, like it might sort of hurt a bit, but you might go, oh, I didn't really like them anyway, you know, or no big loss or something like that. It can be quite different. Sometimes it's very intense. But generally speaking, when we're when we're younger, our emotions are just like can really, really, really take over. So when we're younger and we have emotions that feel very, very intense, yet our caregivers are not able to hold space for our emotions, then those that suppression of emotion becomes something that when we're adults, all that suppressed energy is still within our body. Now, the way that we learn to self-soothe, so this can be very confused actually because people, um, there's been a long line of thought that you need to learn to self-soothe by actually being in your distress. In fact, the opposite is is the truth. So to learn to self-soothe as a child, what you need to build that pathway in your nervous system is when you are upset, when you are distressed in any way, you need a support person, an adult who cares, to be with you and to support you while you are in that emotion. And when that happens, you start to build self-soothing pathways in yourself. So if you've never had that and you've had to shut down your emotions, when you get into your adult space, you, you haven't had anyone help you to soothe when you are in a distressed state. So of course your emotions feel entirely overwhelming. They will feel like, no, hell no, not going there, sister, no way, no way. But the fact is those emotions are still, if they've been suppressed, they still live inside you. So 
here's what you can do to begin the pathway in. Just start to notice in situations that are fairly neutral and fairly safe for you, start to connect into what you feel in any given environment. So situations that might be unsafe in a sense, like an unsafe, I mean ones that will feel overwhelming for you. So let's actually change the language around that. Let's let's change it from allowing yourself to touch into emotions when you're not feeling overwhelmed compared to emotions when you're feeling super overwhelmed. If you're feeling super overwhelmed and you're like, right, cool, I'm just going to go there right now, you might just catapult into a space where you really do get like throw a lot of emotion in, in, a, in a social way that creates a lot of disharmony for you. What I mean is to start to connect into your emotions in situations that where you don't feel overwhelmed. So, for example, it might be um, when you, you go to the shop and um, there's someone in front of you at, um, at the checkout and you are in a bit of a hurry and the person in front of you is taking so long to get their stuff through the checkout and to pack it in their bag and then to pay. You know, it could be this like agonizingly long, like they can't find their card that they're paying with or whatever's happening, right? And if you experience irritation when, then when that's happening, let yourself experience the irritation. Irritation is just aimed up, right? It's just anger on the move let yourself experience it start to go oh I can feel this in my body I feel angry right now and how does that feel inside my body just let yourself feel it and so it's a quite a it's a place that feels safer emotionally to start to experience your emotions rather than in a situation where you're with a loved one and you've been deeply 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 triggered right Start practicing it in spaces where it feels easier to do. It might be in a movie. You might feel sad in a movie and you go, okay, I'm going to let myself really dive into this sadness and experience this. What does it feel like in my body when I feel sad? What does it feel like I'm releasing when I'm crying in this movie? You might get fearful in the same movie. And once again, allow yourself, like you know you're in a place where what's happening in front of you is not actually happening, but you're getting to experience an emotion. So feel it. Let yourself go with it. Where do you feel this inside your body? And the same with joy as well. When you feel joy, pure joy, like when you see someone that you love, that's the kind of joy that I'm talking about. Allow yourself to experience that love within you. What does it feel like, that joy? What does it feel like inside you? How do you experience it? When you feel disgust, when you smell something that's disgusting, like allow yourself to go, what is that? How do I experience disgust? How does that feel inside me? And so you can see how just by doing it in this loving, gentle way, you can start to reconnect into your emotions in ways that are not too terrifying. And it's about gently chipping away. So we start there and then we slowly go more and more deeply into our emotional states. And that's a time thing and a practice thing. So the more you practice the things that, seem like less overwhelming, the more you practice those, the more you're going to be able to hold space for yourself when you feel more overwhelmed with emotion. So emotions, right? 
They just are. They just are. That's it. They're part of being alive and they're a really important part of being alive. And they're also, they each have all their own beauty and, and their own like reason for being part of us. You're a human being and our connection back into how we actually feel helps to take us back into our authentic self, which is where freedom lies. When we can feel our emotions and be in relationship with our emotions, we're free. When we have a ton of suppressed emotions that we are always working on pushing down, pushing down, pushing down, pushing down, then we randomly get triggered by someone or something and all that emotion comes flying out, that's not freedom. It's not freedom at all. Come back to your emotions. They're your friends. They're not bad guys. I promise you. And you can start to rewrite your relationship with your emotions. Thank you for being with me today. Lots of love to you. 